Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John in chapter number 5. We have been going through this series of 1 John and we started from 1 John chapter number 1 and verse 1. And now we find ourselves to the very end of this book of 1 John. And now we're in 1 John chapter number 5. If you wouldn't mind, let me give you a reminder of context sake of what's going on is that John is about 90 years old and as he's looking over Christendom at that time, he's noticing that there's some false doctrine that has been coming into the minds and the hearts of people. That there's the false doctrine of Christ. That some people have been saying that Jesus Christ is not God robed in flesh. And that they're trying to come up with different plausible explanations. And and John is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, He was real. I touched Him. I handled Him. The Word of life. I ate with Him. I talked with Him. He's alive. It's Him. It's Him. And that we can see in that the theme of 1 John has the idea of walking with Christ, that we want to have a personal walk and relationship with Christ. But the first thing we have to start with is who is Jesus? And that we explained and shown through the book of 1 John that there's a spirit of antichrist. Now, as it's referring to the book of 1 John, it's not dealing with a person, but rather a spirit that has been coming around of antichrist. The word anti just doesn't mean against, but it carries the idea of replacing Christ. That what is happening is that the world wants to try to replace who Jesus is. They want to give us another Jesus. And so what is happening that religions all have to answer the question, what do we do with Jesus? Who is Jesus? And that what has happened is that people have been taking Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, and twisting and moving and taking things out and adding things to it, trying to form a Jesus of their own mind. And as we saw uh, this morning, that the witness of God is greater and that man may try to say whatever he wants, but we have to stick with the Bible. Who is the Jesus of the Bible? It is the Jesus of the Bible that we get our faith. It is the Jesus of the Bible that saves us from our sins. And as we come to this idea of who is Jesus... And who is God? I'd like to show you this last remaining portion of the book of 1 John. And I'd like to show you something about God. Notice with me if you wouldn't mind. The book of 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. The Bible says this. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of of the Son of God. That you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. 
there is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. We are In Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in this passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter number 5? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, a phrase that we find towards the end of that verse, the true God. The true God. And with the Lord's help, we want to finish off this passage here by explaining and talking from the context here about the true God. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the great privilege we have to be in your house today. And we thank you for the great morning that we had, the great services. And now as we go to this evening service, once again I would just ask that you would put your favor upon us, your touch, your hand, that you would be here with us. That we would learn of you and see about this true God, the God of the Bible. I'm asking that you would just be with my mind, be with my lips, be with my thoughts and the words that come out. That everything would be done, would be set in order by you. Again, I beg and recognize myself dead. Fill me with your precious spirit. And that you get your own work through your word tonight. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The true God. We talked about that earlier that it all matters who Jesus is and that different people have a different view of who Jesus is and that they try to fit Jesus to fit their box. In addition, people try to make God fit their box and they have different visions and views of who God is. We want to stay with the true God, the God of the Bible. And there are certain things that are true about the God of the Bible. There are certain things that are true about the true and living God. The first thing I'd like to show you from this context here is that the true God gives assurance of eternal life. The true God gives assurance of eternal life. Notice with me in verse number 13 again. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know one thing that is true about the God of the Bible? He wants people to know for sure that they're going to heaven. See, God doesn't want us to hope or guess or think. He wants us to know for sure that we're going to heaven. That's why he said, he uses that word, K-N-O-W, that you may know that you have eternal life. I love that word know. It carries the idea of to know with knowledge, to have evidence of, to have proof of. God just doesn't want us to say, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. He wants you to know that you're going to heaven and know why you're going to heaven. By the way, that is my favorite question in the world to ask. 
do you know for sure that if something was to happen to you, are you 100% sure you'd be going to heaven? You know, that's a very important question. That's probably the million dollar question. Are you 100% sure that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven? Several years ago, USA Today did a a survey to the top 1% of wealth in the world. That's the big money people. The people who have the top 1% wealth of the world. And what they did is they did a survey and they asked the top 10, uh, 1% of wealth in the world that if they could buy anything in the world, what would they buy? I meant real or imagined. If they could buy anything real or imagined, if they could somehow buy it, what would they buy and how much would they pay for it? This is the top 1% of the world. And so they had different answers, you know, I'd buy this or I'd like to buy this. Some of them said I'd like to have eternal youth. Some of them said that I'd like to make uh, myself uh, turn back the clock and get younger. You know, some of them said different things like that. But the number one answer of all those surveyed above and beyond anything that was said is that the top 1% of the world said the number one thing they would like to have if they could buy it, to have assurance that they could have it, was a home in heaven. And that the top 1% of the wealth of the world said that if they could somehow know for sure that they were going to heaven when they die, they would pay upwards to over a million dollars each to make sure that they knew that they were going to heaven. You see, money doesn't buy you everything. But one thing that our true God does want you to know, He wants you to know that you know that you know that you know that you have eternal life. That you have everlasting life. Notice again in verse number 13. The Bible says this, These things have I written unto you. You know what the Bible says? God gave us this book, this Bible, for the purpose that we may know that we have eternal life. And through the pages of Scripture, God has given us the true sayings. He's given us what is true, how we can know for sure that we're going to heaven. That's why the most famous Bible verse in all the world would be John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, just believing on that verse, you can have everlasting life. Recognizing that Jesus died for you, and all you have to do is believe on him, and you should never perish or go to that awful place called hell. But instead... God offers you eternal life. What a wonderful thing that God has given us. And our true God, He wants people to know for sure that they're going to heaven. He wants them to know for sure that God has given them a home in heaven. There's a second thing about the true God here, and I'd like to show you. Not only does the true God want you to know for sure that you're going to heaven, give you assurance of eternal life, but the true God hears and answers prayer. The true God hears and answers prayer. Notice with me in 1 John chapter number 5, 1 John chapter 5, and notice with me in verse number 14. It says, and this 
is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. You know, one great advantage about having a true and living God is that he hears us when we pray. We don't have to guess or hope. You know, sometimes people pray and just kind of hope that the wind carries their prayers and brings it to someone and that someone out there will finally hear. Some of the most heartbreaking things to see is to go across the world and to go to places like India and to see the prayer wheels that they have. What they do is they write down prayer requests and they put it on a prayer wheel and hope that one of the gods will, will hear the prayers. Nothing's more disheartening and heartbreaking than to watch someone in India to take who is a Hindu and they have thousands and thousands of gods and they'll take their prayer request and try to give it to whichever God might actually be listening that day. The one thing about the true and living God is that he hears us. And that if we pray according to his will, that means we're praying with the things that we need and the things that he wants us to have. We have assurance that he hears us. You know, when you talk to God, there's never any busy single. Have you ever tried to call someone and you really need to get a hold of them and you get that tone, beep, beep, beep. Do they even have busy singles anymore? I think with cell phones and stuff. You know one thing about God? You'll never get his voicemail. You never have to leave a message. You never get an automatic recording that says press 1 for this office, press 2 for this office. By the way, you don't have to press 1 for English or 2 for Spanish. God understands you whatever language you speak. You see, our God hears us. And He is alive and ready to hear whenever we pray. He is a true God. You don't have to hope that someone hears. You know, some, uh, there's a lot of heartening things, disheartening things dealing with religion. One of the things that some of our Roman friends have done is that they said, Jesus is too busy. And so because Jesus is too busy, I need to go talk to someone else who might talk to Jesus. For example, some of our Roman friends, they say, what if we talk to Mary? Mary's his mother. So if we pray to Mary that somehow she'll tell Jesus, and of course Jesus is going to do whatever his mother asks. There are some people who say, well, let's pray to the saints. If we pray to the saints, let's pray to St. Christopher so we don't get lost. Let's pray to these other saints who have been long gone. Maybe they have enough merit that they could take our prayer request. And we don't want to bother God. He's too busy. or You know, he's too big. Let's pray to these other people. But I'm sorry to say that those other people cannot hear your prayers. And that when you pray to those people, they don't get through. And you have no hope and no assurance that there's someone on the other end listening. But the thing about the true God is that he always hears. He always listens. He's waiting for you. And we have the assurance. Notice again in verse number 14. And this is the confidence we have in him. I like the word no. I'm a scientist by nature. I also like the word confidence. You know what that means? We don't have to hope or guess or think. I'm putting my confidence in a true and living God who is able to hear my prayers. 
you know, sometimes the people would pray to idols. And Isaiah speaks about this. Why do you pray to idols that you just got through making? It explains in one of the passages of a guy who takes the time to make an idol. He puts it together. Uh, Forgive the facetiousness, but play with me for a second. Imagine some kid putting together a Mr. Potato Head. He takes the basic thing, puts the arms and puts the eyeballs on it, puts the mouth on it. He gets the hair and the little feet. And, you know, if it's a lady potato head, gets the purse and everything and sets the potato head there. And then after he builds the potato head, he bows down to Mr. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head, whichever one they want, and ask Mr. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head to give him some food. And that potato head with the arms up and the big grin does nothing to move, does nothing to help them. You know, even if you were to close your eyes and look away, the potato head doesn't suddenly move until you look at it again. It's exactly where you left it at. That potato head can't do anything for you. And you say, oh, preacher, you're just being facetious. It's just the same as some guy building a wooden stone metal idol and then turning around and praying to it and expecting expecting it to answer the prayers it doesn't work you see the true god he's alive he was not fashioned by man he made man and he knows how to take care of man notice as it goes on the next verse verse 15 and we know That he hear us. Oh, that's a blessing. We know that he hears us. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. You know, not only does our God hear, but we know that if he hears us, he's also going to answer our prayer. That we know that praying is asking and that the answer to prayer is receiving. That God promised to answer prayers. He promised to take care of our needs. He promised to give us what we need. That we have the promise. We have the assurance. Because of a true God, He hears and answers our prayers. Do you understand what a great privilege it is to be a child of God? To be a true born again Christian? And to know that God hears us. There are so many people today who are desperately praying And they're not getting any answer. They have no assurance that something is listening. But our God is listening. Our God hears us when we pray. There's something else about the true God I want to show you. Not only does the true God want you to know for sure you're going to heaven. Not only does our true God hear and answer prayers. But the true God warns us of the seriousness of sin. The true God warns us of the seriousness of sin. Notice with me in verse number 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. You say, well, that's a big, complicated uh, paragraph, sentence. That's a sentence? Wow. There's a lot of stuff in there. First of all, let's just take the basic end sentence. There is a sin unto death. You say, that sounds pretty scary. It is. 
There is a sin unto death. There is a sin which you can commit that if you commit it, God will kill you for it. You say, wait a second, but I'm a Christian. I bowed my head and accepted Christ. God promised me forgiveness of sins. Actually, this is addressed to Christians. There is a sin that Christians can sin. And if they sin it, God says, you're done, you're cooked. I'm turning you over. You said, this is scary stuff. Yes, sin is serious. You say, well, preacher, tell me what sin it is. Tell me what it is so that way I don't do it. Is it lying to your parents? Kids are saying, please don't let it be that one. Is it disrespect? Is it murder? What is this sin that is a sin unto death? Do you know that there is no specific sin unto death? You say, what is it? It's a sin that you have in your life that God convicts you and tells you to get it right. And you say, no. I don't care what you tell me, God. I'm going to do it anyways. You know, there's a time where God will say, hey, I've warned you and I've warned you and I've warned you. You're done. You say, whoa, I'm going to show you some things in the scriptures in just a second. But there's a seriousness to sin. God hates all sin. All sin. You know, sometimes people have in their mind that there's venial sins and cardinal sins. That's man's definition. Cardinal sins are those big, major, woo sins. And the venial sins are like the little sins that you can get away with. But do you know that the Bible says he hates all sin? He hates all sin. Now, not all sin has the same consequences. We recognize that. But God hates all sin. Do you think it's cute when we tell a little white lie? Do you think God says, oh, it's all right? He does not. How do we know that? One of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not bear false witness. That's one of God's Ten Commandments. That's one of God's standards of righteousness and holiness. God hates all sin. Do you know, kids, God hates disobedience to parents? When your parents say, do this, and you do the opposite of that, or tell them no and ignore them, God hates all sin. You say, but that's not a major thing. It's a major thing to God. God hates all sin. Do you know that God hates gossip? You say, but but gossip's what people do in church. God hates all sin. Do you know that God hates pride? Look in the book of Proverbs. It says there are seven, six things, yea, that God hates. Yea, seven are abomination to him. At the very beginning and the very end is pride. God hates pride. God hates all sin. You say, so what is this sin? It's any sin that when you commit it and God says, you shouldn't have done that. And you say, God don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it anyways. You can get to the place where you cross a line and God says, you're done. You're done. Notice what it says concerning this again in verse number 16. 
If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give unto him life for them that sin not unto death. You say, what in the world does this mean? This means that if you see a Christian brother or sister sin openly, that the best thing you could do is lovingly say, God was not pleased with that. You shouldn't have done that. Try to lovingly rebuke them. Try to correct them. You know, God uses human instrumentality that way. And that the greatest thing we can do is give them life by encouraging them to turn from that sin. We can spare them. We can keep them from crossing that line. That line. Why God hates all sin. You know, some people have an image of God, of the grandfather God, where he has that big salt and pepper beard, and he's almost like the blind and deaf grandpa, you know, who's, who's a little bit more elderly, and, and, and the little grandkid gets in trouble, and he just pats his head and says, oh, it's all right. And that's how sometimes people see, grand, see God. But God is a God who hates all sin. If you don't mind, because this is such a serious subject, may I show you some passages in the Bible that shows that God hates all sin? Turn with me to the book of Acts. We're coming back to 1 John, but turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter number 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 5. And in Acts chapter 5, we have the beginning part of the first century church. And things are going well, even though they're having some persecution. The things in the church are going well. So much so that people are saying, God, we want to give you things to the church. We want to give property. We want to give finances to the church. We want the gospel to go out. We want people to, to hear about this true God. And they're getting excited about it. But notice this story that happened. And this is one of those stories you say, I don't know if I would be this serious about it. But God was very serious. Notice with me in Acts chapter number 5. Acts 5 and verse number 1. Acts 5 and 1, the Bible says, But a certain man by, uh, named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. And his wife also being privy to it, and brought it a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So let me catch up to the story. That Ananias and Sapphira were church members of the church of Jerusalem. And in the midst of the meeting, they get excited and they make a commitment to God that they're going to sell something. Maybe it's a property or a house. And they say, God, whatever we get from this sell, we're giving it all to you. And so they gave it all. Or they pledged to give it all. However... When they sold that property, they got a lot more than what they expected from it. Maybe they were expecting 1000 and they got 5000 They said, man, this is gold. Cha-ching, let's just give part of it to church and the rest of it we'll keep for ourselves. Hey, no one will be any wiser. No big deal whatsoever. Hey, no one will even know about it. But God knew about it. You see, they told God they would give it all. But instead of giving it all like they told God, they kept some of it for themselves. Notice what God did to react it. Now, why is God being so hard on this? Because they gave God their word. 
the rest of the church wouldn't have known what they have given or you know it wouldn't have been that big of a deal but they were dealing with God on this issue verse number three but Peter said Ananias why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back the part of the price of the land see what is this sin they lied to God and God took lying very seriously. Now, God is telling Peter, he said, Peter, go ask him about this. What he's doing is giving Ananias the chance to get right with God. Unfortunately, notice verse number four, while it yet remained, it was sold, was it not in thy power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? But thou hast not lied to, unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear fell on the, all them that heard these things. You'd be afraid too if you heard that some guy came up to church and he gave part some of his money and, and the preacher said, God just told me that uh, you didn't give everything you told him. Is that true? And the guy maybe probably gave excuses and whatever else. And God says, boom. And everyone went, what just happened? That would be a strange church service, wouldn't it? Someone lie to God and then all of a sudden, boom, just killed over. But it's not over yet. Verse number um, six. And the young man arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. So his wife doesn't know that God just killed her husband. And she comes in and Peter's going to ask her the same thing. And Peter answered her and said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yay, for so much. So he said, well, let's try a different tactic here. Let's just, how much did you sell the land for? Well, I sold it for this much. She just lied again. She just said how much she gave and that's how much she sold it for. And Peter said to her, How is it that you agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which buried their husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her forth, burying her by her husband. And great Fear came in all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Now, once again, people are like, wow, God's pretty serious about this. Maybe I should not lie to God. Maybe I should keep my word, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought about the people and they were with one accord in Solomon's porch and the rest does not uh, dust no man join himself to them but the people magnify them notice verse 13 it said there was a bunch of people that after hearing that they said there's no way i'm joining that church why because they didn't want to get rid of their sin they said hey <laughs> god's serious about sin there i'm not going to join part of them because their god really hates sin but notice this and the believers were more added to the church, multitudes of men and women. You see what happened here is now multiplication. Even though there's a bunch of people that said, oh, I'm not going to touch that church. There's other people that said, that's a true God. I want to worship a true God. You see, God doesn't want to be a God where we're afraid and please don't kill me, don't kill me. But he's a God who hates 
sin. And he hates all sin. Now, not all sin has the same consequences, but he hates all sin. And sin is a big deal to God. And so there is a sin unto death. What is this sin, preacher? It's any sin that you have in your life that when God points it out and you tell him, no, God, no, I'm, I'm not giving it up. I'm not going to do it. And you could finally cross a line where God says, you're done. You're done. There's many more passages that go along with that, but I don't want to belabor that. But the thing I do want to get across is that God hates sin. And there's a seriousness to sin. There's one more thing I want to show you about the true God from 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5. First of all, the true God wants you to have assurance of heaven. He wants you to know for sure that you have eternal life. Another thing about the true God is that the true God hears and answers prayer. The true God hears and answers prayer. Another thing about the true God is that the true God hates sin. There's a seriousness to sin. God warns us and says, stay away from sin. Stay away from sin. But another thing I want to show you about the true God is that the true God protects His children. The true God protects His children. Notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, in verse number 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and the wicked one cannot touch him. You see, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, and that Holy Spirit cannot be corrupted. That's a part of us that cannot sin. Now, this old nasty flesh can But the spirit inside of us cannot be corrupted. It cannot sin. It cannot be mangled up. And so there's a part of us when you get saved that even Satan cannot corrupt. Verse number 19. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Hey, we have to recognize this is a wicked world and it is not getting any better. But God protects us in the midst of this wicked world. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we in Him that is true. Even the Son of Jesus, uh, His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God in eternal life. You see, God loves us so much that He wants to protect us. He wants to show us what's true. He wants to guide us on the right path. We have a loving God who loves us so much. And He wants us to do what's right. And He does protect us. The last um, warning we see here, it's almost like at the end of the letter, why in the world would you put this here? Because this is an important statement. Little children, keep yourself from idols. What is an idol? It's a false god. A false Jesus, a false God. He says, keep yourself away from idols. Keep yourself away from anything that replaces who the true and living God is. Keep looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, we do have a true God. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. There is a God of the Bible who can forgive all of our sins. There's the God of the Bible who hears us when we pray. There's a God in the Bible who hates all sin. There's a God in the Bible who loves us more than we can imagine. That is the true God that we have. And he cares for us so much. So hearing this, what do we do with this? 
Well, there's so much. First of all, are you 100% sure if you're to die today, are you 100% sure you'd be going to heaven? God wants you to know for sure. That's why he said in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Are you 100% sure that your sins are forgiven? Dear friend, if you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven, let me tell you it'd be our great privilege to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure. To show you from the Bible how you can be forgiven of all of your sins. You say, what do I do with this message? I know for sure I'm going to heaven. What I want to encourage you, that there's a true God who hears and answers your prayers. How's your prayer life? Have you been talking to this God Have you been praying to this God? Have you been going with confidence? Sometimes people uh, stop praying because they say, is it really worth it? I want to tell you it is worth it because God hears and answers your prayer. You say, what do I do with this message? Maybe you've been dabbling with sin. You say that I'm saved, I'm forgiven, but God still hates sin. Whether it's disobedience to parents, whether it's lying, gossiping, whether it's pornography, whether it's drinking, God hates all sin. And maybe tonight, dear friend, maybe tonight, this is your warning that God has given to you to point out in your life, stop that sin. Maybe God is trying to give you because he loves you so much. He's given you one last warning for you to give it up. And you know what sin it is. I don't have to point it out. God has already pointed out. You know what that sin is that you've been trying to keep hidden, trying to keep buried. But God sees what it is. He's not fooled. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God hates all sin. Maybe, dear friend, what you need to do tonight is to set aside pride and set aside what you want and come to God and ask God forgiveness and say, God, help me to stay away from this sin. That little pet sin that you've been keeping around, that little pet sin that you've been just petting and just take it out and cuddling with it, you need to let it go. Say, God, help me with this sin. I understand it's hard to give up sin, but God can give you grace. Maybe someone, this is your warning that God has given to you, that you're getting close to a line and that if you don't stop, you're going to cross that line. Now, I want to remind you and encourage you that it's not old people who cross that line. I know many young people who cross that line. And it is a horrible thing to watch when God gives the death warrant to Satan and allows Satan to work on someone's life. Maybe you're a young person and you've been playing with sin. Stop. This is your chance. This is your warning from God because God loves you so much and you've got a pastor who loves you so much. To stop that. Maybe you're not a child. Maybe you're middle age. But you've been having that pet sin. That your wife doesn't know about. That your husband doesn't know about. 
This is your chance. God has given you a warning to get it right. To get it right. Maybe you're an older person and you've been carrying around the sin and say, well, it just doesn't matter anymore. It does. It does. Because there is a true God. And He loves us so much. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.